Hello, and welcome back to Creatives Chat. Peter, why don't you tell everybody who we're having our chat with today? Oh, Rusty, our guest is the co-host of the Bags and Boards podcast on Comic Tom 101 with a focus on what's current in the comic book market. His perspective and recommendations give you a deeper look into the universe that is comics. That's going to blow your mind. Today, we're bringing on Fire Guy Ryan. All right, everybody, get prepared for Creative Chat as Peter and Ryan chat about who knows what. Streaming from Retro Earth Studio and brought to you by WeAreHistorically.com Conscious Human Apparel Raise your vibration and energize your life with specialized Fibonacci tuning forks to deepen meditations and empower self-healing. Get your vibrational sound tools for personal enhancement at energybodytuners.com. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on Creative Chat. How you doing, dude? Doing good. So I guess we just got to get right into it now. The reason why I brought you on Creative Chat is because I just happen to also just love comics, mangas, like the whole aspect of tapping into the kind of darker aspects of the human experience through just like telling these amazing visceral stories that just kind of get you right in the feels. How did you fall in love with comics, man? Like, what was your origin story? Oh, man. <laughs> comics seem to be like the most recent uh, expression of my love for storytelling and for mm. for visual art in general um like as far back as i can remember i always wanted to like tell stories and, and experience as many as i could um as far as comics go i didn't specifically get into comic books until later in life which is uh, i've learned is different than a lot of people that i'm associating with in this comic book youtube instagram world most of them were handed books by their parents. They're like, here, here's my old Spider-Man collection. Read some Spider-Man comics or whatever. Hmm. But I had to discover them on my own. My, my parents didn't know or care that comic books existed at all. And so neither did I for the majority of my childhood while I was living with them. Um, yeah. I, I knew they existed. I mean, I watched the X-Men cartoon and the Batman cartoon yeah. when I was growing up. Oh yeah, I was very into those. And I knew they were based on comics, but I never had access to them. I never felt like I wanted to learn, you know, the backstories yeah. and what they were based on and stuff. So I just, it wasn't until uh, the first time I can pinpoint re uh, remembering reading a comic was in the DVD of uh, X-Men 2 when that came out. They included like a little miniature comic book inside the case. Yeah. And I remember reading that and going like, this is cool, but it's also really kind of dorky. Um, <laughs> it's it's sort of sacrilege to say because x-men number one from 1963 i think it was is like one of the most important comics ever you know it's yeah there's a lot of stuff that first happened in that issue but yeah. the writing styles of stan lee um aren't my favorite i think i think writing especially back then was very clunky and silly and and a little goofy yeah and especially today 60 70 years later it does not hold up as well as uh i think people want it to mm. so i read that little book and i put it away i was like oh this is kind of lame 
Um, and then I kept watching the movies and that was like my first time I remember reading a comic, but it wasn't until much later that I sought them out on my own. I read something a little more modern and yeah. a, a lot more, uh, a lot more of an art form, I think, when it comes to the modern era of comic books. So it wasn't until then that I really jumped Ooh. in. Yeah, when writing kind of transitioned into like we actually are we're we're telling stories. We're really getting yeah. deep into like the human psyche and the the human experience in a lot of different ways and angles. Because especially back in the day, back in the '60s, and comic books, you bought them at the drugstore with your your parents were going there to buy groceries, and there was a little rack next to the checkout counter, and you would just your your kids would pick up any random batman comic and that would be it and they were meant to just be read and thrown away and one yeah. you get one complete story in one issue and it's it's basically i, I think of it like scooby-doo like you, you solve a mystery <laughs> in the issue and that's it and, and it's, like it's, that. a, it's a fun little experience but there's nothing grander really happening until they got further into like the 70s and the 80s when comics started to kind of grow up a bit Ooh, i like that and that's the key right there is there's that maturation in anything where they kind of make that switch from just making a product to really trying to make something that's going to impact someone and to really dive deep into that so i'm curious like what was the first i guess you would say what was the first read and like who was the first or or maybe even writer that like told a story in such a different angle that you were just like oh my heartstrings like oh that got me um i had a college roommate who was really into comic books and he was the first time i remember reading something that was beyond I, I in between x-men 2 and my college roommate i had i had read a couple of spider-man books at the bookstore and like i had i had tried a few more comics but they were still sort of typical superhero stuff and i yeah. didn't really i didn't really know that comics could be something greater but when i had this friend in college and he had he had his own little shelf in our dorm room with some of the the greatest hits i guess of of comic books so he showed me things like uh, uh, V for Vendetta and oh. uh, Watchmen and Sin City and yeah. some of the some of the classic uh, Batman stories of the 80s when when there was actually a pretty clear cut line after uh, the Adam West show of the 60s and Batman was just very silly and goofy and people Bam. had kind of yeah, exactly everyone kind <laughs> of wrote Batman off and superheroes and comic books off as something silly and dorky and. It wasn't until the 80s when certain writers made a conscious effort to flip that on his head and make it, you know, Batman, his parents got murdered, right? And he fights right. crime and there's a lot of really dark stuff in there. So they, they decided to lean heavily into the dark stuff, yeah, specifically in the 80s. But for me, I guess you could say the short answer is, uh, is Watchmen. Uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of like considered the Bible of comic books. Like if there's one greatest comic of all time, most people will tell you Watchmen. And in retrospect, I read that way too early in my comic book career. But that was the first time I was like, oh, like there's there's some real on the cover of every printing of Washington, they advertise very heavily like this is well, this is Time Magazine's 100 best novels. Like this book yeah. is the only I think at the time, at least it was the only graphic novel on that list. And they were really mm -hmm. trying to lean heavily into the fact that this is literature and not just, you know, a magazine with guys in costumes punching each other. Right. Right. And that's the approach, too, that I find is always so fascinating when you see the evolution of just the, the respect. I feel all the different art forms have been gaining and all the different types of creative writers. And I got to say, it's it's pretty dope when you start to see 
the normality of it and the access of it start to get more widespread because there are so many different stories and origin stories that are relatable to characters. And I mean, for me, it's just like from, from my comic exposure to like my manga exposure, like all the different ways you can identify with different people is the fascinating thing when you think of like a main character. It's like, oh yeah, I identify with the samurai from the, from the 1700s. Like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I look I look back and I think on uh, the way other art forms too have like progressed over time. Like mm. the first time you had people figure out how to work a movie camera, right? In the in the early 1900s, they would shoot like a train pulling into the station, or there was like a bank robber shooting a gun at the screen for two seconds, you know, for 10 minutes. And these were short little movies. And mm. it took a while for the technology to improve, but also for the creators kind of experiment and try things and suddenly it wasn't until you know the the 30s and, and and you know right around the golden age of cinema i guess when people realized like, this could be art instead of just a novelty product i guess mm. same thing with video games i mean we started with like pong and, and donkey kong and mario and it's like fun like get the high score and, and everything but you know at least especially in our lifetimes like video games have really right. developed into like a, a, a powerful storytelling art form of itself yeah it just takes time for for certain art forms to kind of grow and mature and be mm-hmm. recognized i love that i love that yo because you look at it and everything again it's like we're at a i think that's the beautiful part about being alive right now is the transitional phase we're in between all these different technologies and means of expression like what do you even see as like the future and evolution of comics like that's so that's an angle that i feel is like it's just happening in terms of just like the digital aspect is its own wheelhouse now where it's so accessible but what's the future hold that's a that's a question I don't think about too much. Um, certainly, the uh, the you know the the idea of getting like a, a single comic book issue from from the shop is uh, I don't know how sustainable that is. This costs four dollars, and you read it in about ten minutes, and mm. you put it away, right? And and that's that. But um, especially now in the time of coronavirus and supply chain shortages. There have mm. been lots of delays in getting certain titles, you know, printed and shipped, and there are obstacles and roadblocks. But nowadays, you can log on to certain apps and and download and read your comics digitally. Just pay for them right there, and you have them on your tablet, on your phone, on your computer, yeah. and they're just there. So that is one option. But the thing that's kind of growing on me, and uh, the thing I'm I'm noticing is. Um, this is a little bit of a longer story, but I'll try and shorten it, it down. There no are certain, need. All you. <laughs> especially with the MCU, the example that comes to mind is uh, the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. uh, the Captain America, Bucky Barnes, the, the Winter Soldier as his like, that was a recent character that was introduced in Captain America in the last decade or so. Yeah. And as you know, they put him in the movies and the creators of the Winter Soldier were paid a very small amount of money for like the use of the guy they made because of the contract that they signed. They're working with Marvel. So basically whatever you make, it's kind of ours. So we're going to put him in our movie. Thank you guys. Here's here's a one-time check or whatever. While yeah. any movie featuring the Winter Soldier, you know, he's been in all of the big Avengers movies and those have gone on to be the most successful movies of all time. People are making millions of dollars and they still got their one-time creator check. Oof. So comic book creators are, are starting to realize the hard way that uh, there are better ways to go. and that's not necessarily the way to make your mark and the way to uh, be justifiably, you know, rewarded for what you do. So more of them are going off to make their own things 
at different publishers where they give you more creative control and more uh, more rights. But I'd say even some other creators are leaning heavily into, uh, they're bypassing all of that altogether and doing like a subscription model, like mm. where you follow a writer that you love specifically, you pay them directly on Substack and you yeah. get their work delivered directly to you. And more and more people are starting to make that shift. So like, we're actually in a weird moment right now in this industry where uh, lines are being redrawn. So the future of it is, uh, it's in, it's it's in flux. It's interesting. I don't think any. I don't think comics are going to stop. Like it's a yeah. That that's not going to happen. But there's there's all sorts of factors at play, and it's really mm. interesting if you want to look at it that way. But also, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stories there to read. So the, the best part is just just have fun and read something cool. I like that. That's really trippy though when you think about it, and just in terms of the the power coming back into the creator in yeah. that transition. I think that's why you're seeing so many like honestly just really dope studios and works coming out of these different studios like you got awa you got image you got dark horse you know what i mean like you got like these real oh, yeah. gritty ass stories we're just like yes this is the type of superhero story i've been waiting for like this is a dystopian future that i think is pretty interesting like oh it's those are honestly my favorites um oh yeah i think Love i think it. superheroes are, are kind of what people try when they first read a comic book because that's what people think of when they think of comic books unfortunately yeah. in my mind there's so much more there mm. but everyone's gateway is usually a superhero of some of some court of some sort and it's not usually until a little bit later that you branch out and you try yeah like you're saying something from something from awa for example my favorite publisher mm. um something a little a little off the beaten path even something mm. like sin city that's not a that's not a superhero comic it's definitely a, a film noir sort of comic it's a detective story yeah, you know yeah. there's there's all it's a comic books are just like like a movie for example like you can be any genre of a movie they're not just superhero yeah. movies even though sometimes it feels like that right now um comic books are not just superhero comics there's there's a whole Facts. world out there mm. and uh the more the more you stray off the beaten path i think that's where you find the real the real gems so i actually started looking into not all robots because i heard i heard your suggestion of it and i'm like okay. it all, i'm liking it thus far i've only one in but i'm just like yo this is okay. a so that was that's... a question I had for you, I guess. Then. So, <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, you and my brother are friends, right? Yeah. And you reached out to to him about me me coming on here, but like apparently you're uh, you're a viewer of the the YouTube channel that that I am. Uh, oh yeah, on. man. Yeah, back okay. and forth. It's Comic Tom. I always check it out. Um, it's funny because. That's one of the things that I used to do for the longest time. There was a stint in like my life where I was just too busy. I didn't have the time to read. So it's just all the different YouTubers just like, all right, so which ones would I be interested in reading? You know, listen to like their first synopsis of like the first book, you know, first chapter of whatever series they're, they're doing their clip on. And I'm like, okay, I like that one. Don't like that one. Well, I'd be interested in that one. So then I just read about my spare time. Um, my introduction into comics really was just my love for anime. I got into mangas yeah. pretty early where I was just like reading Dragon Ball and, you know, like Yu Yu Hakusho. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these are so, because they're, they're so much more advanced than anything you would get in school. So like for me, I'd read that more than like the little reading level books that we all had in elementary school, you know? <laughs> I think part of it was growing up with my brother who was always very into those things. He was, he was a Dragon Ball kid, a Rurouni Kenshin, a Naruto kid. <laughs> yes. And for me, I was always like, eh, I don't want to be like my brother. I don't want to do that stuff. So I, anime for me has always been kind of tainted with the legacy of, of uh, Dragon Ball and like people oh. screaming at each other and throwing energy balls and like <sighs> fighting. 
like that's the same thing. That's like the the anime, the manga equivalent of superheroes, right? Like you you look yeah. at it, you judge it, and you say, "Oh, that's all it is." I'm never yeah. going to try it. But oh, then yeah. I've recently branched out into like this book, one of my favorites. Ooh. It's a manga. It's a horror manga, and I I'd never. For me, horror is my favorite genre, and that's like an easy way for me to try a new thing. Like, I don't like manga, I don't like anime, but if it's a horror one, then I'm more inclined to take a take a risk, to take a gamble. And this book oh, yeah. is nuts. I'm so glad I gave this one a try. It's about like a spiral that like drives people insane and completely destroys a whole town. It's nuts. It's weird. And mm. I think it could only really work in anime. It's very much not an American story. Like, people's minds think differently in, in other parts of the world. So, yeah, try something and- new and things work out. That's the thing that I've always found is fascinating too, is just how the different cultures approach certain themes and concepts. Like I always find just like the Japanese approach to horror can get so dark and sinister and it's always based in just like people's really just the deeply rooted aspects of our own nature. And I'm like, okay, this is something I like to look into. But and even in that same essence of horror, like what attracts you to the genre itself in writing? And like, how is, how do you find some, like what are some of the better authors right now that you think are really doing some good work on like painting a, good a grim scene you could say <laughs> oh man my favorite writer at the moment hands down is uh james tynan the fourth um it's a, it's a weird name but um he's writing some of my favorite books and i realize they all have horror elements to them um mm-hmm. he's writing at least the three favorite books he's writing right now um there's a book called something is killing the children which is uh going to be a netflix show pretty soon so i'm oh, excited what? to see that it's about a group of like um an organization of people who track down and hunt monsters who um, murder and eat children and only children can see them so parents don't believe the kids when they say like oh we need to go back inside there's you know i'm scared like let's let's go it's it's a it's a it's a it's a hard thing to explain and i'm not doing it justice no dude it's, i'm already into it what <laughs> i'm already into it it's one of the most popular successful comics to come out in the last couple of years uh something is killing the children that's one book he wrote he's writing another book uh called the department of truth actually uh, oh. right up here it is about uh conspiracy theories and Ooh. there's a lot of politics in here and <laughs> but it's also done through a very uh horrifying lens like the mm. i don't know the artwork is just really painted and abstract and dark and oh it's beautiful though yeah it's it's not a book for everyone there's a lot of um grim stuff in here but oh man i, got, I love this page like comics are fun like there's a, there's a lot there's a lot going on and uh this issue in oh, particular yeah. deals with a lady whose son died in a school shooting and she ends up going down like a a dark rabbit hole on the internet about like people not thinking that her kid is actually dead because of oh, you know people are trying to set up a fake shooting to take away guns and like it's a there's a lot of dark stuff that happens in that book in particular but it is one of my favorites yeah um there's another one he's writing called nice house on the lake about a group of people who get invited to a lake house by their mysterious friend walter who turns out to not be all he appears and they yes. are kind of trapped in this house that is my favorite book i have read in years hands down period and I can't stop talking about it. Yo, I was, that's literally on my list of questions because purely that's the other one that was so, okay. So in terms of the main suggestions from that, it was one from AWA, um, not all robots. And then it was that it was just like, yeah. yes. Cause this is that the number one spot on the list for 2021. Was it not? 
Oh, you watched that video? Yes, I recently <laughs> I do, I do put my out, homework. <laughs> I recently put out a video, one of my first videos on my own channel about my top 10 favorite books of 2021. And this book, Nice House on the Lake, got the number one spot. And I knew oh, yeah. immediately when I was reading the first issue back in the summer when it first came out. There's a scene about halfway through where the book takes a dark turn when, and there's a big twist that happens. And I had to like look up and just kind of process everything that happens with the book still in my hands. I didn't even finish. And I'm just sitting there trying to like, my brain is struggling to compute what I just read. And like, that's the best kind of, of art really. It just, it, it grabs you and it yanks you out of, you know, whatever moment you're in and makes you reconsider everything. And yeah. it's not very often that, especially a book, like, it's a lot easier for a movie or a show to kind of yank your emotions and play with you because it has music. It controls the pace that you watch mm. at, you know, you have to watch the yeah. screen. It can scare you with a jump scare or, you know, tug your emotions with some sad, sappy music. But when you're reading something, it's all in your head and you read at your own pace. So like, it's, it's a lot harder to kind of play with the way that you interpret the, the things mm. that you're reading. So oh yeah, when a book is able to, to successfully play you like, a, like an instrument, it's a, uh, it's an experience. I like that. And that's the perfect thing right there is when you can really create that visceral experience from any type of writing or any type of art form. And I think that's the thing that the when you see in the books, how they have it developed is this the sense of when you can see the image of how they want to portray a scene and they can paint it. And then you have just the context of just like the narration, you have the dialogue, and then you have all the stuff in your head going in between the frames. I think that's what really gives like the these stories to life and it was actually really again like you know, i bring it back to you and tom that discussion on nightwing that's one of those ones where i was just like okay i gotta add that to the queue now yeah. because just when you look at the colors and just the transitions it's just like yo like it's getting so good in terms of what they can do and portray on the page it's it's starting to kind of blow my mind that book in particular took a really really insane risk uh on their last issue um we talked about it in that video where they had the idea of making the entire issue one image where yeah. you when you turn the page the the image wraps over onto the next one and the whole mm -hmm. thing you just keep following the action yeah in, in real time it's hard to describe without any yeah. kind of uh visuals but a living storyboard yeah and that's part of the fun of comics it's like one step above a book like a novel where you're reading <laughs> you're imagining everything in your head right you're hearing voices you're, you're 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 visualizing what they look like in your head like when i read harry potter the first time i thought professor snape was a fat guy and it wasn't until i saw the movies that i realized he was supposed to be a skinny sneaky weaselly little dude i thought he was this big fat greasy professor and that was just the image i had in my head so like comic books give you one step above that where you you see what the people look like you see what the room they're in looks like you kind of get a sense of their character but like some of the pace and the sounds and like it's some of it is still in your head and up to your imagination but some of it is given to you so it's a little a little easier yeah well that's also the cool thing is when you start to see different people's portrayals like the um i honestly i can't remember the writer and it's but it's the the recent retelling of the joker series from the different angles and looking into Batman's these are one of the ones, some of the ones that I was listening to and more so just like almost an audiobook comic and it was just being able to see the different portrayal of when you really get to go into like the darker nature of Batman and just like that inadequacy he always has and just knowing that he you know like when you start to go at that angle you're like oh man the riches don't mean anything when you're just that hurt little boy still like those are the things that I find in the stories that always I don't know it's just pulling at the heartstrings to a point where it creates that relatability of just like that weakness like for me and it's funny because what was it? It was the um, let's check to see if I have. It. Yes. OK, so it was the comic collectors. It was 
when you spoke on Superman for all seasons, that was one of the Ooh. first comics that I had actually read that kind of okay. made me be like, that, that kind of made me be like, oh, this kind of made, well, it was interesting how it kind of paralleled in my life. And I was just like, you know, when it pulls the heartstrings of, I mean, really any type of loneliness and isolation. And that's one of those ones. Okay. See, that's no, I, yeah. Yeah. Sure. For the record, this is the book yeah. he's talking about. Oh yeah. And it this just is like, one of the books that my college roommate had actually that I was talking about before. This might be the first one I remember reading where I was, I was sitting through it and feelings like this book hits you. Like there's a, there's a, a very strong father son relationship that's in this story that um, yeah. it does, you don't expect it when you pick up a comic book about a superhero, especially like Superman, like yeah. the fact that there can be this level of emotional storytelling in there is, is powerful. And that's something that I don't think people really give credit to when again they think of like you know comics or superheroes is there's always such an underlying story of just that rootedness and just real human experience i mean it's the authors it's just like any form of writing like you're pouring out your heart through these characters and their experiences and for me especially in, for all seasons it was that aspect of going somewhere where you just really don't know you're entering the unknown and like parents can't help you you don't really know what you're doing like you know what i mean i feel like that was like oh, yeah. that hit me deep in the feels because for me it's just like oh yeah i mean do, do any of us really know what we're doing in that sense? Like, oh, and I read I read this book at college, and this book is a lot. A lot of this book is about him leaving the farm, and going to Metropolis, and and starting to be an adult and a grown up on his own, and missing his family, and right? wanting to go back home and visit. And I'm just like, okay, like I'm not crying. This is a good book. I'm not crying. I'm gonna keep reading. Like, I don't know. Oh, it's man. it's 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 powerful, man. I, I've always appreciated stories in that way. I think that's part of the reason I love. Just, I, I realized looking back, I've spent like my whole life just absorbed in one form of a story or another, whether it's a show mm. or a movie or a single player story-based video game specifically. Right. Um, it's like, it's like my, my one real addiction, I guess. Like I, I need Ooh. to consume all of that. Likes a good <laughs> tale. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's, I think it's because there's part of me that has, that's, that's sucking all this stuff in because in the back of my brain, it's like there's some story in there that needs to come out somehow, some way. I, I feel the, the urge in my life at various points to tell my own story. And I don't know how that's going to happen or when or if, but uh, it's, it's there. And I think that's the root of why I am so drawn to kind of trying all of these different things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand it. And I think that's one of the things about just being able to collect so many different authors in that sense of just being able to see the different styles and approaches and angles that they take even to the same character sometimes the the different i don't know it's just i always call it the different puzzle pieces of perspective right you know you get someone else's put a little piece look gets your puzzle piece you get you, your picture is a little bit more clear in that sense and from there it just turns into this kind of like okay well how can i express myself differently now this changes the way i would have expressed it like i like that and that's the one thing that i'm curious in your in, i mean your own life is how has this kind of impacted your own kind of yearnings to write or your own type of perspective, like how you would tell a tale? That's part of what I think about when I think of something like Batman, for mm -hmm. example, over the past 10 years, like comic writers come and go, like you, you write a Batman comic and you're on the title for a short amount of time. It's a finite amount of time writing a storyline yeah. before you have to pass the baton off to someone else. Yeah. And they tell their story and then, then they pass it off and someone else tells their story. And it's kind of done that on and on for 80 years. And so you can look back and get a bunch of different people's perspectives on the same person, on the same group of people, the same characters. 
now and then, you know, somebody will create their own character, their own new villain or something, but the, the, the general core of that story mm. is all the same. And yeah. by using that as an example, by going back and kind of dabbling in certain people's takes, you can kind of start to construct in your mind what works, what doesn't work, what you yeah. like. Um, and as a writer, um, they always say, like, write what you know. And part of that is um, I've, I've been reading a lot, actually, of James Tynan's newsletters and the things that he thinks in his head when he's writing stuff and oh, yeah. his process. And a lot of times a good art, a good idea for a work of art will come from watching something or reading something. And when the story doesn't go in the way that you were expecting it to go, that means that you have an idea. Like, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Like, oh, I like that. If you wanted the, you know, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, like a movie that everybody hated, really. If you wanted it to go a different way, that means you have an idea. And if you really want to, you can sit down and grapple with that idea and write it down and structure it and build it and grow it and make your own story out of that because it's something that you Hmm. wanted to see happen. And if you wanted to see it, that means there's somebody else out there who wants to see that same thing. Hmm. But that's, that's part of where ideas come from. And I think once you take that and apply that to so many different, you know, stories and, and that's, that's part of the, uh, the reasoning for trying so many different, you know, movies and, and books and comics and like you're you're absorbing story structure, you're absorbing all of this information. Yeah. And that's that's part of my underlying that. quest, I guess, to kind of learn the foundational stuff, the structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh yeah, no, I, I get what you're putting <laughs> okay. down in a sense. Okay. But the I guess the angle that I want to take the next the next step would be are there any works that you kind of have in the process right now that you're just really starting to get developed right before um before i jumped on and helped comic tom with his youtube channel back in 2018 um i've been working at a hotel uh, at the front desk overnight and i had a lot of time (laughs) not a lot happens until the morning when people wake up and start to check out for the day so overnight i'm standing there at a computer and i would write a lot and Mm -hmm. um especially near the end, I was working on a, uh, a screenplay for a, a TV show that I had percolating in my mind that was based mm-hmm. on my experience working at the mall for three years or however long that was. I was at the mall for several years. And I, during that time, I hopped around from working at, at Cinnabon, working at GameStop, um, working at Jamba Juice. I had a bunch yeah. of different jobs in that, you know, in that ecosystem. Yeah. And you kind of learn all the, the weird you know, there's so many characters and weird people and, and events that happen. <laughs> and I tried yeah. to use as many real memories and real people as I remembered and, and make a, you know, a world, a, a series based on people working in various shops in the mall and, and interacting with each other and cracking jokes and like the friendships and all of that stuff. I had a, I had a pretty detailed outline and a couple scripts written when yeah. Tom reached out and asked for help with his channel. So that kind of took all my creative energy into this screenplay that I was writing and redirected it into comic books and YouTube and being on, you know, I'm, I've never really done on camera stuff before. So this was all kind of all consuming when it comes to creative energy. Yeah. So in a, in a one unfortunate way, it has kind of pushed all of my 
creative creation storytelling mm. energy to the back burner and i have been in intake mode for so long that yeah. uh, i can i can feel it in the back of my mind like something needs to come out at some point and i don't know in what form or in what way or if i'll ever even have the time because i every wednesday i come home from the comic shop with a big stack of books to read and it takes me all week and then next wednesday the whole thing starts again so like yeah it's a it's a it's a struggle to find extra time in there to do mm. anything, let alone something that requires, you know, writing something good requires a lot of focus and a lot of time and a lot of work. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of that <laughs> lately. But I don't have a lot of spare time for for stuff like that. But I do I do think uh it's weird, but the um there's not a lot of structural difference between a film TV script and a script for a comic book. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking that's a that's an easy an easy transition to make. I might I might like to try writing a comic, you know, before I die. That would be a, that would be a fun that'd be exercise. Dope. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And I mean, I think that's the thing right there where I've always kind of envisioned comics as again like a more detailed storyboard, you know, just like mm-hmm. it's just it's just snapshots of the film with a few summary notes and panels to keep you connected throughout. And that's like that was one of the things that always got me into like, you know, film and, and all the different types of, you know, like performative arts and creative expressions like that. But it's the it's just the ability to really make it your own. I think that would be something that'd be like amazing to see something like that, like the mall rats, but like its own amplified modern day adaptation. Just like, I need to watch that movie. And make sure I don't step on any toes. I never saw Mallrats, but I just remember thinking, like, this is too interesting of an idea. And I had so many, I don't want to say good memories of working in the mall, but so many distinct, strong memories of working yeah. there, of the people. I, I had a couple weird encounters. There was a lady who came up the Cinnabon and pulled the money to pay out of her lower lip. <laughs> she kept She kept her money in her mouth. And I was like, I'm not going to touch that. Like, what do I do? And just thinking about that is like... <laughs> gold like like oh man that needs to be told that's that's a story and like there were so many of those that were just absorbed over the years and like (laughs) that story is still sitting on my computer so like i want to i don't know if i want to do anything with that in particular but the experience of just tinkering with that you know night after night at the hotel was uh, was fun i kind of would like to try doing something like that again and it's it's a lot easier to write an issue of a comic book than it is to make a, a show or a movie but I don't know any really creative artists who would be down to to draw something Ooh. like that. It would—I don't think it would be too hard to find somebody. But it's a collaboration. And I like to think of the creative team who make a comic book kind of like a like a band. Ooh, like you like gotta that. you gotta have a group of people who are in sync, who are working yeah. all together to craft something together. Yeah. And uh, it's it's hard to find the right you know the right magical combination to really make it work. Ooh, not that yeah. I've tried. I haven't tried, which I think is part of it. But see, I think that's the beautiful thing about life and how everything kind of plays out where it's you just you look at the aspect of the unknown and where life can take someone. And, you know, you fast forward in those time skips from the past, you know, working at the hotel to now consuming all this content, creating content, now having these ideas waiting to just burst out in the network. That's probably the most optimal for this type of team building. Pretty dope. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to, I think it wouldn't be the hardest thing to corral a group of people together and try something. Mm. And Tom and I have had a conversation or two about that very thing recently. So I, I think there's something. Who knows? That's all, that's all I'll say. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> 
leave it in the burner. I love it. Yeah. That's the coolest thing, though. I, in terms of just the evolution of even being able to collaborate and work, I think that's also, I'm sure that it's, there's, yeah, you mentioned it earlier and how there's delays in terms of getting different works out just because of all the, the shipping and all the, the Rona. But that aspect of just being able to do things like this, you know, being able to converse across a country, being able to converse across a state, like these types of conversations, these types of works can be done all across the globe now from a team. And as, and as long as you, again, we're sitting in our own frames, you know, in our own comfort of our own homes, like you can only see from the chest down. Right. You know? <laughs> like, actually super ripped under here. You just can't tell because <laughs> it's under frame. It's, I love it. But it's dope because like there is so much potential. It just the works. And that's what have been the cool things for me is seeing more of the community starting to get built. And like everyone always feels, I feel like that's always one human theme is just loneliness, you know, and feeling alone, right? It's especially strong with comic readers. Uh, right. It's just now starting to get kind of cool in a sense, but mostly, at least for people growing up in this hobby, saying that you read comic books is like an invitation to get shoved at a locker or something like yeah. it's not like a cool <laughs> thing especially in school when you're growing up to be the comic book kid it might be cool now i don't know i'm not in school but like <laughs> it might be cool now. i was also not a comic kid in school so i, I can't say for sure but yeah um mm. i've learned that while working at the comic shop now too it's like you get a lot of people who come in and they pick up their comics every week but they also just like to kind of hang out and talk and it's like I think part of the reason this comic book community has grown so much on YouTube and Instagram particularly is because it's a, it's a reading is kind of solitary, right? Like you don't yeah. really read with people. And if you do, you're quiet and you're not talking to each other. And it's hard to find people who have the same interests and mm -hmm. can have a conversation about it. So when you go to a comic shop where there's a bunch of people who are into the same thing you are, it's easy to, linger and and have conversations and, and banter and it lends itself well to the, the online arena where you seek out people who have your interests who may not be nearby you yeah and that's an interesting aspect right there is just the experience of working at the shop so when you're in versus i mean buying things online just having like the digital experience but actually being there in person physical copies like how is that experience of just being able to see people continue that like passing of the torch from generation, you know, first timers, like how's it been? Any, any interesting perspectives? Um, I'm actually really enjoying um, working in a shop. I'm doing, I only do it two days a week, mm -hmm. but I'm there on the day new comics come out and the next day. So I see people every week coming in for their stuff. I get to, um, I also remember reading this, the stuff that comes out every week. So I get to have conversations with them. Like, what'd you think of this book? Oh, you should try this. And I, I, I have formed relationships with a lot of these people. Like a lot of, a lot of my closest friends I've made in the last year have been at this shop. And um, we've talked about, you know, I know you've read this. I know we both like this book. I think you should take a chance and try this other book, maybe written by the same guy or it does mm. it deals with some of the same themes. And I've noticed recently that, um, it's weird and it's kind of something I've always wanted, but it's, it's only happened recently, but people are starting to uh, trust my opinion and like my taste and my recommendations. And my brother will tell you that I have always been that guy who's always been like, I think you should try this. This is cool. I don't care what you want, but this is what I said. 
Like, let's do the movie. Let's watch the movie I want to watch. Screw you and whatever, whatever you're suggesting to me. And he's got good taste too. I feel, I feel bad for picking on him, but he knows more than anybody how much like I don't listen to people's <laughs> suggestions. And I'm always the guy who's like, I know better than you. You're going to like this. Sit down and watch this movie. Mm. He's always tried to get me to watch like uh, recently. It's been like uh, Train to Busan. He tells me I'm really going to love that movie. I haven't watched it yet, but he keeps giving me crap for it. And I'm going to. I just haven't yet. Ooh, see, this is one of those ones where, I mean, if I had to give a recommendation for, I think probably like the manga that you would like, and it's probably one of my favorites, Berserk. I've heard a lot about that recently. Dude, I think, well, the author recently passed away. Yeah, um, I heard that but, too. But like, and the, the story is still like, how's it going to end? You know, but that is probably the one that like, you, okay. I I already know that like it's right I up your alley. One of one of my <laughs> things about about manga with with superheroes with something like Superman or Batman, you can there's 80 years worth of backstory and like you can't start at the beginning and read the whole thing. Like that's just mm. not really possible. Right? It's it is possible, but it's going to take True. years and it's going to be a pain in the ass. So it's easier for a book like Batman to jump on and just read one writer's run on the comic and it'll yeah. be a couple of years worth of comics maybe. But for something I've always seen, whenever I go to like Barnes and Noble and I see the manga section and you look at Berserk, for example, or any any manga, a whole shelf, the whole thing. And it's all the same writer. There's no you have to start at the beginning. And it's such a big commitment. And like, I don't know where to begin. Oh. That's why I really liked this book, Uzumaki by Junji Ito, like the horror, the horror mm. book. This is this is one thing. Like that's it. That's yeah. one book. I assume this is maybe two or three of those smaller manga size paperbacks yeah. that you get. But it's done. It's one but, and it's done. So maybe I'll read a couple a couple of the, uh, trades or you know collected editions of Berserk and see see how that goes. Oh, but I, I have too much of this. I have a strong completionist streak. So it's like when I <laughs> when I want to try something, I have to do the whole thing. And that might get you in trouble. You're yeah, that that would definitely get you in trouble, man. The I've panels. heard nothing but good things about Berserk from the people who have read it. Oh, and that is that is probably my next foray in general into like terms of you know tri- types of storytelling. The world of of manga as a whole is basically untapped for me. I don't I don't have a lot of knowledge, so I mean I need to. I just yeah. have a I don't know. It's a whole thing. That's there's no, so there's no easy way for me to get to it all. Oh, I love it. That's the thing right there, though. Is there's so many different ways that you can see storytelling has been adapted and changed. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen in the manga aspect. Cause even, you know, even ones like attack on Titan, like that also wrapped up, it's like those volumes are significantly shorter compared to like, you know, you look at like a Naruto or like a bleach and it's just like, you know, they're still going on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's the thing that I've actually seen in transition between comics too, is just the, the arc, just telling an arc. You know, just giving a just giving a writer, giving a creator just one opportunity, just like you get four books, you get six books, eight books, ten books, like here's your story. You know, that's that's why that's I like AWA. I like. Yes. That's why AWA works. They have specifically leaned into stories that are and they tell you right on the front, issue number one of four. So you know going yeah. in that this is gonna be a short four issue story. You're not yeah. signing up for years and years of something that may never end, like The Walking Dead. It just kept going and going and going and going. Yeah, and 
I love I love stuff that it's and that is a that is a contained story. So now, especially now that Berserk probably I don't know what will happen. I don't know if it's over over. Did he finish writing it? I think I think it's it? one of those he finished a lot of it and like maybe storyboards. He didn't finish personally writing everything, but they kind of know the direction. So it will end. It's not just going to keep going I, by someone else. Yeah, they're going to end it. Okay, that's probably better. Yeah, that'd be that'd be kind of weird. I, I never like that. It happens in fantasy books a lot with like. The writer mm-hmm. writes 14 novels and then dies and then you get someone else to come in and write the last two or something and it's like time skip what no yeah <laughs> what did you just like what type of plot hole did you just try to use and just get exactly. through this just wrap it up. <laughs> but that right there though i think that's the evolution of storytelling that i'm starting to really enjoy more is that i guess like that contained closed story like we're closing the loop i don't need um and i i hate to bash it but it's like Every movie I feel the past, like, what, 10 years, maybe that's been like a big blockbuster has been something related to comics, like the, the MCU, something with DC, but like, and they've, they've made this expectation of like, hey, so what's after the trailer? Like, right, let's no. sit through the credits and watch the next thing. And like, the story's I gotta teased. <laughs> that's one of the reasons, uh, even though it's a kind of troublesome movie, I really like the movie Joker. Even It's a comic book movie. Yeah but it is contained and I don't think there's going to be a sequel. I know they wanted to because it was so successful and that's kind of the nature of Hollywood. Like yeah. if something makes money, let's beat it to death and make 10 more movies. But yeah, I think Joker particularly works well because it's a standalone story, you know, it has a beginning, middle end and end. It's not setting up a, you know, an MCU or something like that. So. <laughs> no knocks again. I get it. I, I understand yeah. the approach to it. We, we all get it, but I think you lose something in a story when you set up the expectation in a lot of ways. Like, I think even if you have the intention to do a sequel, like, I think that's what always tells me is like the, the quality of a good film is that they're standalone, like that, like you could watch it. You, you totally get it. doesn't matter if you're jumping in or not. Like you follow it from start to finish. And I'm curious, are there any stories that you feel that you've read recently that it really just kind of like, this is just a good story, like beyond characters, beyond, you know, like labels, like this is outside of the two mentioned or, three or four mentioned already there's been a few mentioned yeah right but, <laughs> oh man my mind just goes to back to, to awa as a as a publisher like yeah they seem to really focus because they're focused on telling stories that are very finite that only run for a few months at a time yeah. they really have to focus on telling the best stories getting the best writers and the best artists to come in and collaborate on something special that may or may not get a sequel they do do some some books that theirs have had follow-up stories but mostly they come in they tell the story they leave and you get one complete package and Mm. i think that kind of stuff works the best for comics um in terms of things that i've really loved recently let me just this is a pile of like some of this week's books we'll see if there's anything in here that i (laughs) that just jumps out to you i talked i talked about this on my best list of uh of 2021 this is a book called the good asian yeah i'm so curious about that one really in love with it's um it's not a superhero book which i think is the main problem with comic books like people think comic books they think superheroes and they don't try it i think this story is something in particular that is it's a detective story it's a 1930s uh noir story but it deals with um chinese immigrants and back Mm. um in the late 1800s early 1900s when there was a ban on immigrants coming in from China. So it's 
it's kind of timely and relevant dealing with a group of people who are not allowed to come into the country and politically it you know has echoes yeah. in the in the modern era Oof. so it works wow. on that level but it's also yeah. just a classic detective story about a guy trying to find a missing a missing person and just mm-hmm. the it's like a dropping a dropping a rock into the water and seeing the ripples you know like the rock in the water being i need to find this missing person and just the the way the story grows and morphs from that into something you really don't expect and this is this is something that's going to be 10 issues and issue eight is the most recent one so it's almost done Mm. but something something like that is sticks with me so much more than the most recent you know iron man story something like that like yeah Yeah, i'm not gonna iron man even though iron man right now is a little bit not good (laughs) just throwing it out there (laughs) sorry yeah Iron Man is not one of my favorites at the moment, but you know, that's the thing about superheroes. If you don't like Iron Man now, like look in the past, find a good run that that's over already, or you know, hold out for the future. <laughs> Iron Man's not going anywhere, so if it's right. not good now, then just stick with it. Whereas something like Good Asian, it's ten issues, it's done. Yeah, and the writer and the team go on to do do other things. And if you like the if you like this story, now this this writer is on my radar, so I'm going to mm. be following whatever he does next. This artist yeah. is on my radar. I'm going to be interested mm. to see whatever they come up with next. They might not do something together again. They mm. might. So it, it, it's part of the fun. Yeah. It's like finding something you love and then notching these creators into different slots in your brain and going like, I need to mm. pay attention to what's coming out next. And just, I, I had the same thing with movies. Like you, you watch a movie you love, you look at the, at the credits, you see who wrote it, you see who directed it. You're like, cool, I'm now going to find other movies that Martin Scorsese made. I right. love that guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up you know his older movies and see you know oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. I love this actor. And you just mm. fall down the rabbit hole of like creatives. It's just yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's the that's the kind of the the magic that is the creative process is when you really do when you're able to find a good team that is able to kind of really give out a nice portrayal of something. And I think that I know that'd be a video that I'd watch just in terms of just like diving into the rabbit holes of different teams and duos or or networks. I have, of- I have specifically thought about that exact topic uh best creative teams in all of comics and actually i hate hate to hold this book up again but this is written by jeff loeb and drawn by tim sale and the two of them together have made some of the most classic comics in history really they've done uh some really good work on on batman especially back in the 80s Mm. but batman superman they've done the hulk they've done spider-man daredevil captain america they they do a lot it's all really good they're they would probably make that list yeah, I think speaking of Daredevil, that's probably one. If we want to look at modern things, I think that's probably the one modern team in in like Netflix that really did justice to to Daredevil in yeah. terms of just like how the action should always be like portrayed and just Oof. come on. <laughs> that Daredevil show is is one of my. I, I did I did a list with with Tom recently. <laughs> I, ranked, I ranked my top ten favorite MCU the loophole. Movies. The loophole. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He was a little mad at me. I put the Daredevil Netflix show as my number one favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, which is technically not allowed, but whatever. You make the rules. It's the, it's the best. Yeah. It had the best casting. I think that's one yes. of the ones that really did just, it portrayed, oh, Fisk, man. Just that, staring at the, the white the white painting, just like, mm, yep. just the visit, oh, just the gutter. Yeah. Just, they yeah. nailed it. And this current run of Daredevil by this creative team, current Daredevil comic, very much feels like a new season of that show. Like it feels really? so much like they studied the gritty, real 
Now, Daredevil has had that kind of vibe for a while as a comic book, yeah. but this current Daredevil story in particular, it, it, even even reading it, you you feel, and maybe that's just me, but I, especially with the Wilson Fisk stuff, like I see him in my mind. Mm. I see Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk <laughs> while I'm reading this comic, which is mm. it's fun. And well, who's the writer of that of that? This is uh, Chip Chip Zdarsky, who okay. is a writer worth writing down. Like he's he's one of my favorites right now too. I got you. I got you. you got me. See? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think that's something right there that is, again, it's such an underappreciated aspect of art. I know a lot of people when they think of films and movies, they're always just looking at the top cast. You know, who are the who's yeah. who's who's the showrunner? Who who are they really bringing in for the supportive cast? But that is the one pivotal aspect is just even the the writing, directing, and I mean, it's always the same teams in terms of comics. They have their own writers, they have their own directors, producers, and you have the artists. Like that to me is a, a combination that. And I like how you put it where it's like comics are like a step up above books because it's like, yeah, it kind of is because you there's you can get so much more of an, a storytelling experience and so much less. I mean, again, like look, I use Dune for the example. I was like, amazing, amazing book. Like if people want to really read that, if you want to have like an experience of just like that takes you into like the intangible esoteric aspects of human consciousness in, in a fantasy genre, like go ride, go deep. That's, but how many people got of my untapped i have not gotten to do it yet and i Dude, don't it's want to such an investment because exactly like... that's why i have because there's so many books and they're huge like i did game of thrones and i read those books like five times and i fell in love with that but i don't have the time to do that anymore right so like i really want to do like i want to i want to oh, try to because it's such a good writing and i think that's the when you really can just close the eyes and have like the entire cinematic experience that's that's the level of like detail and just the storytelling the depth is is beautiful but again how many people have the time for that that's where you really get into this world of comics where more and more people are starting to get into it and now that we do have all these different outlets of smaller publishers i think that's the real the real gold mine because you're going to start to see storytelling change and i yeah. think that's what you're talking about with awa like being able to do like the confined stories like this is a closed loop be able to, to really tell like um as you would say your own your own real creative flow it comes back to the old days where you see a lot more short stories from different authors like emerson and all this and so like mm -hmm. that's where i'm like thinking like oh my gosh are we entering this era of just like dope ass short stories and like a really cool like artistic expression way like yeah i'm feeling it there's even comic books that lean into that element of it um mm -hmm. what comes to mind is uh, a book called ice cream man which is from Image Comics. It's a horror comic, and every issue is its own story. So you don't need to read the whole the whole series. You can just walk into your shop and pick up Ice Cream Man number twenty seven. Whatever we're on now. Modern day goosebumps. Exactly. You'll get the whole thing. You'll read the whole thing in ten minutes, and it will be a complete, compact story. And that's it. And each one of them deals with like a creepy, existential, horrifying experience like the one that i always think of i haven't read it in a long time i've only read the first couple you know dozen issues of ice cream man or whatever i guess that's a lot of it whatever there's one issue where a guy it's dark but he uh jumps off a building like a skyscraper and the whole issue takes place in his thoughts as he's falling down and you oh. get, and it's you can see a lot of a lot of scenes like showing the people working in the building you know having conversations and his narration happens the whole time and you see him out the window in the background while they're like on the phone or you know having a meeting and it ends with you know where it would end <laughs> that's not <laughs> it's it's just dark 
and it's you close wow. it and that's that's the story for the month and you wait a month and you get the next chapter and you don't know what you're getting into so like that that's something else that i've noticed a lot of comics are leaning into that that's an old an old thing with comics like tales from the crypt yeah. is an old example yeah. of that from like the 50s and 60s when they would do a one shot and that's your story so mm. they're, they're getting they're getting back into that kind of storytelling which which is fun in its own way but i think i prefer something that that carries over a little more it tells a longer story yeah. it's the storytelling aspect that's you can tell it's been the fancy and i guess the transition is what have you seen as kind of like your author or more like the literary experience where has the bridge gap where you're like oh i like storytelling that's kind of like mirrored in this guy's writing because i know you talk about james tendon but like are there any like kind of connections that you think from like your previous experience just reading books that like brought you into this point of like oh now now i know why i like this guy so much um him in particular james tynan to me is like the comic book stephen king like <laughs> i like that when I pick up a Stephen King book, I know I'm probably going to like it. Like mm. I've read enough of his work over my life to the point where I know that anytime I try a Stephen King book that I haven't read, and there's always a new one, I can, I can pick it up and know, even if it's not exactly my favorite, I'm still going to have a good time. Whereas you try a brand new writer and you're rolling the dice. You don't really know exactly what you're going to get, mm. but there's a there's a combination of talent and just output that Stephen King has like he's he's someone I like he's someone I know I like so I can always go back to the things they write and have a good time and I feel that same way about James Tynan but mm. a book like like uh like the good Asian or the book that's right underneath it actually is another good example this is a book called uh two moons about Ooh. um this is a weird mixture of of genres about um it's it's a Native American story yeah. about a guy who was born. He's he is a, a Native American Indian, but he gets adopted by a white family. So it's got a little bit Oof. of that's that's part of the two moons. There's a duality aspect in here. So he's <laughs> grappling with that aspect of himself. This book also takes place during the Civil War. So he oh, has whoa. to he's a soldier in the Union Army in the Civil War. So he has to deal with being around all of these people who are fighting for freedom but are still not really mm. friends with him you know yeah. there's there's he's mm. got that duality and that struggle but he's also grappling with supernatural stuff like parts of his family family members of his his ancestors were kind of like shamans and they had a deep communion with spirits and and there's yes. just so much going on and it's written so well and the art is beautiful and just like Something like that is an experience that this is a book I've I talked about on the channel with Tom actually a while ago. And it's something that I don't think he liked as much as I do. It's it's a book that um, you can't really recommend to a lot of people because it's not for everybody. Like, I don't mm. think you have to you have to really appreciate the the kind of all, all of the different layers in a book like that. And it's a slow burn and reading something month after mm. month after month. It takes it takes a long time for the next chapter to come out. So you really yeah. have to be into it for to stick with something like that Ooh, well i guess we gotta say speak of it ryan i need to stick around for the after show convo but before we part do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners words of wisdom oh man <laughs> don't be afraid to try uh to try something new Ooh, it's hard it's kind of hard in this day and age to find uh spare time to, to your entertainment time is valuable i think and yeah. and uh choosing what you spend your free time to do is, is a whole thing. 
but try a comic book, you know, try some manga, give something new a try. I don't think a lot of people, I think, I think more people need to, to dabble in this world in general. So that, that is my, mm. that is my word of, of wisdom. I love it. Google it, find a comic you want to read or ask me on Instagram at fire guy, Ryan. Yeah. That's another thing too, where it's like, let's get some more live recommendations going every, every day, every week, I once a month. Let's get it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for holding on the show. Roll the outro. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this show possible. Thank you, We Are Storically, for your conscious human apparel. Shop online at wearehistorically.com. Level up your life and raise your vibration with specialized Fibonacci tuning forks. Get your vibrational sound tools for your personal enhancement at energybodytuners.com. Another Creative Art Production by Retro Earth Studio. Where does the name Fire Guy Ryan come from? That's from The Office. That's really all it boils down oh, to. Oh, that is so yeah, funny. Yeah. I got when, the um, reference now. Okay. When um, I first met <laughs> first met comic tom when i knew him he was just regular tom he uh hired me at wells fargo he was a bank manager at wells fargo at the first job i had right when i stopped working at the mall i worked at a bank i was a bank teller at his branch and um he would call me because he loved the office and he put me in his phone as fire guy right it's like a joke a reference to the show (laughs) and he's always called me that for years like this goes back to to 2013 when i first met him i love it that concludes this episode of Creatives Chat. Thank you for watching our show. Click the bell button to get notified of future episodes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. So we always hope hit that subscribe. It's one of those things where to be able just to go and just shoot the shit, to be able to just to like have the banter, just be like, oh, let's explore some things, you know?